me see here. Yeah, it says, I think we're good. All right. Well, what's going on, everybody? It's Josh Cathcart, the baseball doctor, here with Mr. John Madden, Hugo Pro Baseball. And I finally got a guest to the podcast, man. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Always excited to talk with you. Yes, yes. Always a good time. And, uh, you know, I feel like I owe you big time for what me and Jessica have going on after you got down and we did the YouTube with you. And it's been awesome getting to know you a little bit. And now that we're venturing out into this podcast world, which obviously I have no idea what the heck I'm doing, um, you had to you had to be the first guest. It was it was made to be that way. And so I really appreciate your time this morning. Well, I appreciate you having me and I'm excited. Good deal. So I know that me and you, you know, we have talked a little bit just about the training aspects of things. But, I, you know, me and Jessica actually um, were really interested in you know, your professional career and how that kind of came about and some of the moments and whatnot, just because um, that's a different, that's a different life than um, I've taken for the coaching thing. You know, I didn't have the the big league experience. Um, I went up through high school and just a little bit of the college vibe, but that was it. So um, yeah, man, I guess the first thing we talked about some questions is if you would give one piece of advice um, to players now um, or to our listeners for pitching um, and let's, let's go with high school kids that know that they want to, that they want to pursue pitching at a high level. What would be the one thing that you would, or two, I mean, do what you do, but just one major thing that you would suggest. Yeah. So um, I mean, coming up, if I had to think back to my high school age, you know, my dad used to leave a lot of, articles on my bed like he would read magazines because we didn't have youtube and all this cool stuff back then when i was in high school so he would read like articles in newspapers or articles in magazines and um you know he was pretty big into fitness so he would read that stuff and then he would leave it on my bed for me to read and i didn't read it all the time because who wants to listen to dad no doubt (laughs) but uh but sometimes i did and, and some of that information was really great well i remember one of the articles that he left on my bed was about a pro pitcher and they asked the, this pro pitcher, how do you get ready as a pitcher for spring training? And the guy said, well, I put my spikes on and I go stand in my backyard for eight hours straight. He goes, that's how I get ready for spring training. Because <laughs> that's all pitchers do in spring training is stand out there and shag baseballs. <laughs> so, you know, that, that was one of the articles I remember, one, one of the pieces of advice. But I think looking back in high school, if I say there's one thing, one thing that really – help me accelerate my development it would be learning to lift early like my dad was big into fitness and he bought me a weight bench when I turned 13 so I had a weight bench in my bedroom he taught me how to lift he would take me to the gym I learned how to squat at an early age I was squatting 315 pounds by the time I was 14 years old and not only was I bigger than my peers at the time but I was much stronger and more developed at the time and that just put me head and heels above everybody else at the time so if I had one piece of advice it would be to really learn um, and and learn from a professional my dad was smart with it he did that Um, but if you don't have that find someone that is knowledgeable in that to help you along that journey but start lifting that would be my people. I, th- I think that that's huge. And I mean, for pitchers, obviously, people, I think nowadays the coach isn't obviously 
players realize that pitchers are athletes. You know, for the longest time, it's like, oh, that guy's not an athlete, blah, blah, blah. But y'all are freaking athletes. You have to be a stud. You have to have endurance. You have to, you know, your body is going through. Um, throwing a baseball is not a natural motion, right? So you're doing all sorts of crazy high-intensity stuff to your bodies. And I think for young kids, I think that being able to be fit and have a body that you can rely on is the number one thing. Um, so with that, I would, you know, for me and what I see with our guys now is we're trying to develop college players and, and professional kids, if that's their dream, is also the nutrition. Oh, um, yeah, 100%. So you got to fuel that to, to make the muscle and do everything. But, man, I, I'm glad to hear you say it because we're stressing the kids all the time. Well, that's you another thing. Them. If I could add on to that was my, my dad and his friends were always like to me and, and my friends because, you know, we were friends with my parents. Yeah. My dad was friends with and I hung out with his kids, friends or his friends, kids. Yeah. Uh, but they were always preaching to us. You need to eat, 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 get bigger and eat. And that was, that was a huge part of it. I went from 180 pounds. My, uh, I want to say it was my sophomore year in high school, 180 pounds to 240 pounds. Um, just from really trying to consume a bunch of calories and working out and getting yeah. bigger and stronger. And I mean, like I said, imagine a 240 pound, six foot four kid yeah. uh, going into his junior year. I was just like, it was unheard of. So yeah. Um, that, that well, was... be, being big and strong never hurts coming from a five, eight, 145 pound guy. <laughs> it, it definitely helps for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well on that, I guess, um, what is the biggest failure that you had, you know, getting, getting either into the, you know, getting drafted or whether it was college or whatever, what was the biggest failure that you hit that you, um, had to learn something from? Well, there was many failures. I mean, baseball is a game of failure. So I had tons and tons and tons of failures along the way. But the biggest one that stood out to me, and it's not just one, but it's the biggest thing, was I would collapse. I would fold under the pressure in big games. And this was from, you know, a young age all the way up through high school, even through college. It wasn't until my senior year where something clicked and I figured it out. And I figured out how to like channel that energy energy because that's what it is. It's basically, or at least for me, that's what it was. It was this nervous energy that took over me in big situations where my heart would start racing really fast. And during the regular season, I could perform greatly and, and, you know, I would be focused and my breathing would be good. But all of a sudden, when I get into certain situations, big games, close games, runners on base, whatever it was, my heart would start beating faster. And then I would tighten up and I can could not perform as I normally would. And, and I think that's normal for a lot of guys, especially talking to guys, um, you know, that I've trained over the years. I think it's a normal thing to feel that way, but it wasn't until my senior year in college where I understood that I could take that energy because that's what it is. The energy, the nervous energy and kind of refocus that energy and use it to my benefit. Uh, so it, again, it wasn't one failure, but it was, the, the folding in the big games and learning how to take that energy and refocus that energy to use it to your benefit. So, um, you know, that, that would be the biggest, the biggest thing I had to overcome, I would say. Man, we could go on for hours just about that. You know, I get questions all the time and you're talking about on a, on a big stage, I'm talking about with our youth guys, be like, how come my kid can do this in practice and they can do this in these, but then we get to Sunday games and they fall apart. And, I tell them, you know, if I had the answer to that, I would be a gazillionaire. 
you know, the, the, the magic game pill that lets them handle all the energy and everything else. Um, so I think it's something everybody deals with. And some of us, you know, at different levels, um, you know, you didn't probably have to deal with that when you were 12 because you were dominating in high school. You didn't have to deal with it. But when you got to college and the competition is higher and the stakes are higher, um, that's a whole different gig. Yeah. Well, actually, I did have to deal with it when I was younger, too, because although I was dominant during normal times, when I got yeah. into those games, I couldn't play like as as well as I was. So I, yeah. I, I couldn't dominate. I wasn't dominating in those situations, um, even as a young player. So um, it was something that I had to learn. And it was really, you know, there, there's one thing I, I have a program is called Confidence Booster. Um, and I talk about one of the techniques that I use after the games to kind of uh, analyze what happened in the game and then get rid of it. And, and I think sometimes as baseball players of all ages, we we like to uh, over focus on some of the bad things. It's like uh, focusing on the negative side of it too much over analyzing. And then, yeah, I'm sure you heard that term, uh, anal uh, paralysis by analysis. Oh so yeah. That, that, that happens to a lot of them. So I talk about some of the, some of the different tools and, and, and things that I use to kind of overcome that, um, when I was playing. Well, people need to check that out. That's awesome. Um, you know, the mental side of it is everybody. And again, when I say this, I, I understand that people know, I don't think the mental side is focused enough on for the younger kids and so they do they have to try to figure that out later and it's so difficult um because everybody's worried about what's his swing look like what's his velocity what's his running speed and not what's in between his ears until he's in high school and they figure out that he crumbles or that he doesn't you know if there's not a catcher calling a game he can't do it or whatever the case may be um so the mental side of it is huge and those programs those confidence booster programs and then uh, another coach, uh, Vic Ferranti, yeah, he does some mental stuff, too, that I really like. There's a ton of great guys out there that put out stuff on YouTube. That's the great thing about YouTube and stuff these days is there's so much great information out there, man. You could just go Google it up. If you're having a certain issue with certain things, go yeah. you know, type it in the search bar. No doubt. Hashtag it. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, all right. So I, you know, with my hitting, I hear stuff all the time about, oh, we should do this. Hitters should be doing this. What's one common myth that you hear or something that's taught in pitching um, that you want to kind of debunk or have different thoughts on, you know, kind of just from a hitting example, like the squish the bug or the swing down through the ball, you know, that kind of stuff. Is there anything like that for pitching? Oh, yeah, there's tons, tons of them. The one that jumps uh, out at me right away is that location or control is more important than velocity. And while location and control is absolutely important, it's not better than velocity and velocity is not better than control or accuracy. You need both. Like if you want to be a good pitcher, you need to have both. So the argument of that is not to me is not valid. Like if, if all things are remaining equal, if you got two pitchers who one's has really good uh, accuracy and the other one doesn't um, and they both, you know, pitch a certain speed obviously the one with better accuracy is going to be accuracy is going to be a better pitcher but if you've got two guys who have the same uh, level of control and one pitches faster of course the guy that pitches faster is a better pitcher so yeah. we need both we need we need to have both when i was in junior college um the first meeting that we had with my coach he was a pitching guy too he came up and wrote on the board lmv and everyone was like what is lmv lmv and he went on to explain, this is what we're going to focus on as a staff this year, location, 
L, M, movement, and V, velocity. He's like, these are the three most important things that we got to focus on. It's not one. You can't throw 100 miles an hour and get everybody else, everybody out. You need to have location and movement as well. We also got to focus on having that control, the command of the baseball, the location, the L. But at the end of the day, too, we need to have pitches that move. You know, we can't just throw it, throw it, you know, balls straight to where we want to at a certain speed. So, you know, that stuck in my head for a while. And then when I got to the Padres organization, I remember having what was one of the first meetings with the pitching staff. And they talked about disrupting uh, the hitters timing and balance. And when I heard that and the way it was explained, I was like that. It's so if you just think about pitching that way, it becomes so much more simple. Like if I can mess up the batter's timing and his balance, I can beat him. And I do that (laughs) by throwing fast pitches and slow pitches. That's how I mess up his timing. Right. Fast pitches and slow pitches. How do I mess up his balance? I go in. I go out. I go up. I go down. And then if I can change speeds to those areas, then it it just becomes so much more easy. Now you're really on. And it's funny that you say that because when people like talk to me about the hitting, they're like, what do I need to focus? Like, what do I need to do? And I'm like, okay, here's the deal. You're not going to like it. You may not believe me load on time and be balanced because that dude on the mound is trying to throw off your timing and get you off balance. So it's, it's one of those things. And um, man, you know, for me, pitching is something I did when I was younger. And now as a coach and watching and seeing kids develop over time with everything, there's so much that is steadily going on. People don't realize it unless you've been um, in that situation before. So mad props to all the pitchers out there, man. There's a lot going on that people don't realize. And it's, it's always fun to talk to y'all. And I know there's like ongoing jokes about pitchers are a little weird and whatnot. Y'all got to be, you got to have your own stuff to, to operate in that world. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think hitting is the hardest job to be honest, because you're reacting to us crazy pitchers. Oh, I think, I think uh, probably physically with the reaction time and everything else, I think that hitting is probably a little more demanding, but I think that for the long haul pitching obviously is much, much more difficult for longevity because of the intensity. You know, I'm going to go to the plate. I'm going to deal. Let's let's say I see four pitches and four at bats. I'm going to see 16 pitches in a game. You're going to throw 96. Right. <laughs> yeah. True. I mean, so you know, it's the one element that one battle hitting maybe, but for the longevity of it, there's there's no question. <laughs> um, so moving through your career, and if you want to do this, um, you know, shorter as long as you want, because there may be different levels. I know for me, just I had. Uh, like a little league coach that really inspired him was really good. And then my high school coach was really good. He was actually ended up um, coming and being in my wedding. So, um, so who made the biggest impact uh, on your career? If, if there was a coach or dad or whatever. Yeah, man, there was a lot. I had a lot of great coaches and, you know, I don't want to leave anyone out, but I also don't want to sit here for two hours and tell you everybody who yeah. had an impact yeah. on my career. So there was a lot of great coaches, but if I, you know, thinking back to it, there was three that I could say really stood out. One was my dad. He was huge on visualization. Um, and he wasn't a baseball guy. 
he didn't know anything about baseball, never played baseball and nothing like that. Um, but he was big into, you know, working out and, um, and he was big into like the mental side of the game. And he did like, again, he didn't really use it for anything. He was a truck, he's a truck driver. So yeah, <laughs> um, he was just into that. And he, he taught me about it. And, and that was huge for me. It really helped me. It helped me to gain an edge, uh, another edge. And it was just, it worked for me. Visualization. All I would do is just sit there and imagine having success on the field. And the more real that I could make it in my head, the more times it would come true. And, uh, you know, I would just lay there before the game in the grass and kind of imagine striking those guys out or, or getting them out. Or, or if I was hitting, cause I hit through high school, you know, hitting yeah. home runs or doubles or whatever. And I would just see it in my head and play it in my head. In fact, I would do it while I was on, on the on deck circle or like walking out to the mound. Like I would see it happen. I could visualize it happen. And I can even visualize, I got so good to where I could visualize the pitch before I threw it. So it's almost like I saw it. My eyes were open. I was there. I'm looking at the real batter and the umpire and the catcher. But I, before I would actually start my windup or, or my stretch, I would see like, and to me, it was like a laser, like where the pitch would go and hit the catcher in the spot. It was real quick. I would see it, boom. And I'll go, okay, here I go. And I would just go boom and try to execute the pitch. It didn't happen all the time, but when I was in the zone and, and I was seeing it very clear, a lot of the times it was working. So that yeah, was something awesome. That was something that really helped me. So that was my dad. Um, I would say the second one would be uh, my pitching coach when I was at Auburn University my first year. He taught me the sinker. And that was a huge pitch for my development just because um, – I wasn't that good my junior year of, of college. <laughs> and when I learned the sinker and I mastered the sinker, I became a, an All-American at Auburn. I ended yeah. up getting drafted. So if it wasn't for that pitch, I mean, there was a lot of other things that came into play. But yeah. really, if it wasn't for that pitch and learning that pitch, I wouldn't have – I don't think I would have played professional baseball. So yeah. that was the second one. Um, and then, uh, you know, I guess I guess I would say – myself because we didn't have all this YouTube and, and all this other different stuff coming up. So it was kind of like just learning through your own experience and kind of taking things that worked for you along the way. And I, I still teach that to all my guys now is just like, listen to what makes sense to you. Take it, try it, feel it and keep the stuff that works. The other stuff, get rid of it, especially guys that, cause there's a lot of information out there these days. Um, yeah. You know, get rid of the stuff that doesn't make sense and doesn't work for you. But you got to you got to start to learn to build your own philosophy and what's working for you, because at the end of the day, you're the guy on the mound or you're the guy in the box, not your coach, not your grandpa, not your dad, not anybody else. Like you have to have the accountability and, and do what you know works out there. So, that's what I would man, say. that is 100 percent. We talk about and of course, you, you deal more with the pitching and I deal more with the hitting. I'm always talking about take accountability for your swing. You're the only one that has to execute you know, those type things. So it's, it's very true, man. And the amount of information out there can be overwhelming. Um, some of the kids don't use it enough and I get onto them for that. It's like, man, you got everything you could possibly want right here. Um, but then some dive in, you know, I've got some that are freaking YouTube and Twitter and Instagram junkies just trying to get every bit of information. And so every time I talk to them, they're, Hey, what do you think about this? Hey, what do you think about this? Hey, what do you I think? I think you need one thought at a time is what I think. Right. Right. Um, but it's um, that's good stuff, man. Being your own coach. Um, not only is it really, really re rewarding, you know, when you put in that work, but you also don't have fingers to point. 
You know, if you're if you're relying on your hitting coach or your pitching coach to tell you every step of the way, you know, you get out on the mound and something screws up. Oh, well, my pitching coach didn't teach me that or didn't tell me that or my hitting coach didn't whatever. And if you're figuring it out on the fly and you're taking accountability for it and you got nobody else but to look in the mirror. Um, so that's a you know, being your own coach is huge. Every kid should understand that. A hundred percent. So um, with your expansive YouTube and travel and watching players and whatnot. What's the best resources going right now, man, for uh, pitching, for arm care or technology, in your opinion? Well, like I it, that kind of piggybacks off what we were just talking about. Like, I, we didn't There's have so YouTube and stuff, like, when we were coming up, you know, like, yeah. that that wasn't a thing. Like, maybe there was, like, blogs and stuff. I remember when we had the computers, they had, like, the floppy disk, you know, to put it in. <laughs> print shop and all that stuff so like the oregon trail all, man the the oregon oregon trail. yeah man we had we didn't have it like these kids have it today <laughs> but just like you were saying before it can be overwhelming too with the same aspect because now there's so much information that these kids have it's like and, and not even kids but parents like a lot of parents mm -hmm. are like trying to help their kids and navigate the path the correct pathway for their kids but they've got all these different people saying all different things you know so it can be tough and i i think for a parent of a young baseball player, it kind of goes the same way is like, first of all, listening to everything, see what makes sense. Take what you like, try to pass it on to your kid. Cause guess what? At the end of the day, nobody wants to listen to dad. Um, no you know, like I, I, and I see that a lot when, I, when I'm training guys is like, I get a lot of dads that reach out to me and say, I'm trying to help my son, but he doesn't want to listen to me. I, I feel like if, you know, I was to bring them to you, even though we're on the same, because usually me and dad are on the same page. Yeah. Um, but if I can bring them to you and, and you explain it in your words, and he's listening to a former professional, he's going to take a lot more than he would from dad. So, um, you know, it's just finding a way as a dad or a parent, I should say a mom, moms as well, finding a way as a parent to kind of take that information that you're gathering online or whatever it is, digest it, see what makes sense to you. And then how do we pass that information along to the kid so that he retains uh, a lot of it? Is it going to see, uh, you know, the baseball doctor in Texas? Is it going to see uh, a pitching guy? Is it going to see, um, you know, whatever you're trying to work on, a mental coach? Or are you able to, like my dad did, leave articles on their bed? Nowadays, it's not articles, it's YouTube videos. You can take a baseball yeah. doctor YouTube video and click the little share link and, you um, email it to your son or text it to yeah. your son. And, you know, at, again, at the end of the day, like I said before, I didn't read every article my dad put on my bed. Your son's not going to watch every video that you send to his uh, text message. But guess yeah. what? If you're sending 10 videos uh, a month to him, he might watch two of them. And it only takes one aha moment. Like if he watches one video and he gets something from that video or, or that article that you send him, then I think you're doing your job as a parent. You're just, you know, you're, you're helping. I, I just think you can't expect too much from them. Like you can't be like, Hey, you got to watch every single one of these videos yeah. all the way through, you know, cause they're going to get burned out um, on it. But yeah, I think that's, uh, that's, that's what we could do as parents. I think is, is just yeah. try to help navigate our, our kids path as, as best we can. I'm not all there yet. My, my daughter won't even pick up a softball. She's a soccer player. <laughs> <laughs> but same thing for soccer i bet like you know yeah. you, you know 
and, yeah. and your daughter's still young. So, um, you know, it's, you still got a long way. And my son is only four. So I, I don't even know what I'm talking about at this point. Oh yeah. Yeah. We got a lot to learn. Yeah. She, <laughs> she's eight. We got a lot to learn. And I, and I got a lot of boys to shoo away. Um, <laughs> so with, um, arm care, um, how are you on long toss rest days, weighted ball training and checking using like rap soto and stuff to get numbers right now? Like when do you actually start worrying about that or do you ever? Yeah, that's, uh, obviously big right now. My pitching coach, I had him on my channel, uh, with the New York Mets, Hector Berrios. He's big with the, um, the rap soto and getting the numbers, but these are for guys who are professional guys who are either trying to get into uh, professional baseball or have already been there and trying to come back. And these are numbers that the scouts are asking for, especially when they're trying to pay a guy a lot of money. Now, with that being said, at the, at the um, high school and college level, I don't think it's like super necessary that these guys have it. I think it's a great tool to see where you're at compared to everyone else. So you can make uh changes but really at the end of the day it's just to know your numbers and know where you are and have that self-awareness so you know where you can uh try to make improvements um you know i don't think guys should be using it for like every single pitch um as far as like using technology to see spin rate on every single thing yeah. as long as you kind of have an understanding of where you're at then you can use that to kind of uh set your sights for your development goals um as far as long toss goes and um weighted ball go weighted balls go um you know i think it's different for every player i had a roommate in the padres organization stevie delabar actually his jersey's right behind me right there number 50 he was uh um he got released in the padres organization and he um he was playing men's softball and he got on a weighted ball program he ended up coming back throwing faster than he ever had and um he was an MLB all-star within that next year. Wow. So, yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> wow. Um, and then and then I've had teammates who did weighted balls and hated it and ended up getting hurt. Um, wow. And then I've got guys, you know, usually some of the Latin guys are huge on long toss um, and other guys don't like to do it. Like myself, I was like 120, 150 foot long tosser. Like I didn't go super long. Some guys will go like 300 plus feet with yeah. their long toss. So I think that all goes back to, again, knowing who you are, knowing what type of pitcher you are, what you're trying to accomplish and what feels right. Building your own philosophy. The earlier you can start building your own philosophy and understanding what works for you. Like for me, I went through phases of icing and not icing my arm. And at yeah. the end of my career, I, I think I bought into more not icing my arm. Like I like not icing my arm more. Um, and that went through trial and error of years of experience. So building your own philosophy, I think for all of those things is, is man, I and I think it does. It, it holds true and you have to be smart. You have to listen to your own body. Um, I'm all for experimentation. I'm not for overexertion of experimentation to the point of injury. Um, but I do think that especially once you hit puberty and are starting to get into the high school years, that creating something that works for you that you can build on. You know, I'm big on routine and habits. I talk to my kids all the time about having good cage habits. Um, and starting out and figuring out what works for you at an early age. And I, and you're 100% right. I've, I've had, we've had kids at the Academy, um, Richie Beard, who's our hitting the pitching guy that you met when you were down, you know, his velocity enhancement class is one of the 
best in the Houston area, possibly best in the state um, outside of the huge, you know, the pitching ranch and driveline and all that. But just for academies, um, it's had over like, a, I think, 150, 90 mile an hour guys and stuff like that. So it's been great. Now it's been 20 years, um, but he uses a weighted ball program. He uses um, a real stretch and flexibility and strength. He, he kind of mixes and matches. And we'll have kids that'll come in there and they'll gain freaking 12 miles an hour in three months. And then you'll have kids doing the exact same thing and they won't see a two mile an hour jump. Um, and so it's, you know, they'll go out and they'll long toss and come back and be like, Hey, I've been long tossing for a month and I saw, you know, eight miles an hour. Well, did that come from the long toss or did that come from the two months that you were doing all the strength building and your body just caught up? Right. Right. You know, exactly. So trying to find that happy medium and what works, man, you're just spot on with it. Find what works for you um, and roll with it till it doesn't, right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's right. That's right. Um, all right. So I don't want to keep you too much longer. I know you're busy and I know I was late getting all this technology set up. But um, if you could hold on to one memory from your playing career. What I mean, what just strikes you? If I had to say that was freaking awesome and I wish I could relive it over and over again. Well, I had a lot of awesome uh, experiences. We won the conference in high school. That was huge because we had a team that was full of misfits and we shouldn't have won <laughs> the game that year, but we won the, uh, the conference championship. I went to the junior college world series. That was a great experience. Probably two of my most fun years of my life was in Juco baseball. Um, one of the things that really stood out to me was dominating at FSU in the super regional. I pitched at Auburn university. We pitched, I pitched against FSU. And the reason that was very important to me was because I went to a FSU camp when I was a ninth grader in high school and I had a terrible experience and I had a run in with the coach and it was just, it was on my mind for the next eight years. years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Eight years because I was, I was a freshman in, in high school and then a senior in college by the time I got to pitch against them. And I just shoved it. And I just, I just, it was eight years of, of uh, wanting to get back at FSU. And, and, and I did it. So that stood out a lot. And that year I was also an all American, which was awesome. But I, if I had to pick one, it would be getting drafted. Like that was my lifetime goal. And I think moment. it's a lot, oh, yeah. a lot of kids goals. Like when they called my name on the, on the, on the radio. And I was just like, man, it was just, it was amazing. Oh, I can't imagine, man. I've had, um, I guess coaching probably had, I don't know, 15 to 20 kids drafted um, over the years. And it's a, it's a feeling like no other for a baseball player for those kids. You know, when you talk to them about it and you really, you can just, even you now, your face just lights up. Right. And it is, it's, you know, people talk about living a dream and as a baseball player, if you're serious, your dream is to get drafted. Yeah. Um, and to actually be able to live out dreams is pretty awesome. You know, whenever those things happen in life, it's uh, it's surreal, it's intense, and it, it sticks with you forever. Um, so I know that also you do a lot of these interviews. Okay, you're uh, you're everywhere, man. Like everywhere, you know. John's in San Diego. He's in Florida. He's up in the East Coast. He's down in Texas. Who's your favorite interview? Who's been the funniest? Who's been the the Best baseball mind, like what? Well, baseball doctor, of course. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, no, that that was an awesome man. That was an awesome trip, man. Those videos were awesome. Um, your channel is amazing. Like, 
Anytime I'm in all these uh, Facebook groups and stuff, and people are always asking questions. And I can't tell you how many people are like, you got to follow the baseball doctor. You got to follow the baseball doctor, follow the baseball doctor, man. So, um, you know, you're, you're, you're putting out there a ton, a ton of value um, and people are noticing it and loving it. And, and um, it's just awesome stuff. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've talked to a ton of, ton of great baseball minds, but if there was one person that I could interview that I haven't interviewed yet, it's not even a baseball guy. It'd be Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, dude, they would be awesome, wouldn't he? That yeah. dude is a trip. Yeah, I love that guy. He's just so yeah. – he, he seems so happy. He's huge, and he, like, you know, gives back and stuff. And he just – I wouldn't even want to interview. I just want to hang out with him for one <laughs> Just chill with him. I, I would want... like to see him hit a ball, though. I'm sure that would be pretty funny. Yeah, it probably would be funny. It'd probably be like a Tottenham of Tuco or however you say that guy's name, <laughs> swinging and missing at the ball on the tee. Yeah. Um, that, that was a trip, man. Trip, trip, trip. But, yeah, Shaquille O'Neal is awesome. Um, man, I just, you know, for the lightning rod reasons, my, my dude would be Barry Bonds. Yeah. I, w- I want to get Barry Bonds. I want to talk hitting. And, you know, I know that he's just lightning rod for people. But he was when I was growing up and I know the steroids and that's a topic and I don't really care to talk about it with anybody else. Cause it's in the past and whatnot, but what that guy did at the plate during my time growing up, watching hitting was just so out of this world. Like his two, I think at the 2004 season was such stupid. Um, and just to pick, you know, you've talked with me about hitting just to be able to pick that guy's brain about what's going on and what he's thinking would just, I'm getting chills thinking about it just because for me, he's, he's the hitting God. Um, so I do think he was, uh, not so big on his personality, but from a hitting standpoint and his knowledge, uh, I, I would want to talk to that guy. So that would be cool for sure. Yeah, man. Um, so I know that me and you have talked about getting back together and doing some more collaborations. We've talked about maybe getting some stuff together online with some program stuff, but outside of our personal stuff, um, let's, let's end on what's the future got, man. What are you, what are your plans or do you want to keep it a secret? Cause you don't want the world to know. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't even know myself. You know, I'm, <laughs> I need to, I need to organize my brain sometimes, but, um, no, I definitely, you know, want to keep doing the YouTube thing. One of my goals is to to help uh, as many people as I can. And, and YouTube seems the way that that I've been best able to do that. So, you know, I want to reach that one million subscriber mark. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and uh, and I want to see the baseball doctor catching up and passing me at one point. Man, um, I tell you what, yeah, we, we wouldn't be here without without you and your your boost. Um and, you know, it's uh, we're minuscule compared to you, but it's big for us. And it's been a fun ride and we're going to keep grinding it out. And Jessica keeps getting better and better with her online stuff. And I'll figure out how to work a computer someday, you know. Um, <laughs> but no, man. Um, yeah. Watching you all the stuff. I really like the stuff that you're able to do with U-Triple-S-A and when you're getting out. And, and so it's not only are you providing the information on YouTube and, you know, all of the other outlets, but you're actually there boots on the ground, you know, monitoring kids, tracking kids and really making a a huge difference. It's not just from behind a microphone or from behind a camera. Um, 
and it's so awesome that you are able to do that. Um, you know, I love coaching. I love being in the cage, but the fact that you can get out and do that on a, on a big scale for kids is pretty incredible. Yeah. It's fun. You know, I love that. I love that part of it for sure. Seeing kids across the country and seeing the different skill levels and, and the, the different regions and areas and everything. And then having them come here to Florida is awesome. Um, I mean, really, the only other big goal that I have is just not to mess up my son in this whole thing. Because <laughs> he's four now, he's in T-ball, and uh, we're in it. You know, we're all the way in it. So um, I'm having fun with it. He's having fun with it. He's look, I drove him to school this morning, and he's like, we got baseball tonight? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> he, he literally rode to school with his helmet on and his bat in his hand. Bro, uh, see, that's the kind of stuff I need in my life. That's <laughs> the kind of baseball love I need in my life. And I just – you know, my daughter, bless her heart. She's gorgeous. I love her to death. She's my angel. You know how all that goes. But she's into horseback riding, man. And I got to fall in love with horseback riding. But to the thought of having her holding on to a little pink glove or something, just, you know, I don't know if I can handle that. So that's awesome that he's in love with it like that. Yeah. Um, kind of doesn't have a choice, I guess, though. Dad yeah. being who you are. I mean, he's um, got everything he could ever want. <laughs> I mean, just in my <laughs> office alone, he's got it enough for a lifetime of baseball equipment. But, um, but yeah, I'm just trying not to mess that up because I understand now. Like, I remember before I had a kid, I was like, man, some of these baseball parents are crazy. You know, like they're <laughs> out of control. And now that I have a son and I'm in it, I'm like, because I, I, sometimes I'll be sitting there thinking about like, man, all right, so you know, when he gets drafted and, and I'm like, wait a second, when he he's gets drafted, four. he's four years old. <laughs> oh, come to, come back down, crazy dad. You yeah. know, so I have to, I have to kind of remember like, okay, now, now I get it. Now I get where these crazy parents are coming from. Cause we want the best for our kids. I, it, yep. it, that's what it is. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, I really appreciate the time, man. I'm going to let you get out of here. I know you're busy and I've got, a, I've actually got some more zoom lessons going today. Um, but as always, it's a pleasure. Thank you for joining me here, and we will get together for sure. I'll make it out to you, and we'll crank out some more content, my man. Sounds good. I can't wait. Thank you so much for having me. It's always good talking with you. All right, buddy. Take All it right. easy. We'll see you. Bye.